Yes, ladies and gentlemen, it is that time. Part two of the mock draft here on the Basement Talk podcast. Ed Birdsall, Jake Simone, and of course, from the Basement Talk podcast fantasy show, Adam Caster. Gentlemen, how are we? I'm doing well. That would make two of us. What's going on, buddy? I will say that the uh, first part of the mock draft went swimmingly. And now here we are doing the uh, second half for all of the listeners of the Basement Talk podcast. And if you have not listened to part one of the mock draft, go to the Basement Talk podcast fantasy show and listen to it. Because we are not going to say certain names and there may be names that you hear where you're going to say to yourself, the fuck. So I will give everyone 10 seconds to flip over to the Basement Talk Podcast Fantasy Show to go listen to part one of the mock draft. And now that those people have left, let's just do a little recap of the first 15 picks or so. Uh, I picked number one overall with the Jaguars. It was Trevor Lawrence. Then Jake, number two with the Jets took Zach Wilson, Adam number three with the 49ers, took Justin Fields, then it went Kyle Pitts to the Falcons, Jamar Chase to the Bengals, Devonta Smith to the Dolphins, Jalen Waddell to the Detroit Lions, Penny Sewell to the Carolina Panthers, Trey Lance to the Denver Broncos, Patrick Sertan to the Dallas Cowboys, Rashawn Slater to the New York Giants, J.C. Horn to the Philadelphia Eagles, Christian Darasaw to the Los Angeles Chargers, Jalen Phillips to the Minnesota Vikings, and then Mac Jones to the New England Patriots. So we are starting at pick 16. We are going all the way to pick 32. And then at the end, we will get our collective thoughts about the mock draft. So 16th, the Arizona Cardinals I am on the clock here, and I am going to take Caleb Farley out of Virginia Tech, the corner. Plain and simple here. The Cardinals need a corner. No more Patrick Peterson in town for them. So the fit with Caleb Farley and the Cardinals just makes a ton of sense. I mean, this guy just has recovery speed that is just absolutely blazing. And again, I said this on the Basement Talk podcast defensive prospect show where there is a massive injury red flag right now that surrounds Caleb Farley. So my biggest concern with him is just that injury red flag. But if you could tell me that he's cleared, he is probably my number two corner in this entire class. So if he pans out, the Cardinals are getting an absolute steal at, uh, at 16. So that's the way I'm going to go. Caleb Farley. Well, I know that you're very high on Caleb Farley. I am. If you can tell me he's going to be healthy. I know Jake is much higher on him than I am. I, I love the guy. Yeah. There you go. I would even – he's so good that I think the injury red flags to me, I would – I mean, I, I don't think they're massive enough for me to just have him off my board. I would. I think they're worth the, the risk of taking him, especially in this spot. God, absolutely. So what's what's the ceiling that you would take Caleb Farley at, Jake? What, like what pick? Yeah. How high would you take him? I think he's – worthy of no not really four with Kyle Pitts on the board well it depends do I need a quarterback or not or like what pick is that what the earliest I would take him at if I was a team needing a corner yeah if you were to, if you were to trade up would you take him at eight 
Oh yeah, absolutely. I would say okay. I would say the earliest I could see for him, they're not going to do it again because they drafted a corner last year. But Detroit number seven is probably the okay. earliest I would go for Caleb Farley. All right. If I really needed a corner, I think he's a top five talent. If that's what you're asking me, in a year where quarterbacks weren't dominating the draft, I think he's. I, the guy, I mean, the guy he'd come back to. He reminds me a lot of Jalen Ramsey. He really does. And if he can live up to that, then the Cardinals are getting a a hell of a corner in a division where there are a ton of very, very good receivers. And then there is just one absolute beast of a receiver, namely DK Metcalf, and he, who already has some issues with Jalen Ramsey. So if there's another Jalen Ramsey-esque corner going to the NFC West, then uh, then DK Metcalf could have a little bit of a tough time on his hands. So uh, Caleb Farley, 16 to the Arizona Cardinals. And now the Las Vegas Raiders on the clock at number 17 overall. Jake, this is your pick, my friend. Have a go. Yeah, I'm going Kevin Jenkins here. I don't know what John Cruden and company were doing this offseason with the offensive line, but they lost Trent Brown, and they draft his replacement here, a very comp- comparable player to Trent Brown uh, from a measurement standpoint. That's Tevin Jenkins. Maybe needs a year at guard to get his feet wet with more of an NFL style of offense. So um, then maybe kick him out to tackle. But right now, um, I'm going Tevin Jenkins for the uh, Las Vegas Raiders who need a ton of help on that offensive line to keep Derek Carr uh, upright this season. I, I, I couldn't agree more. I mean, Jake, you hit the nail on the head when you said you don't know what the hell the Raiders are doing. And I think that's a – yeah. Oof. God Ooh, almighty, is that a valid point? Yeah, does it – the offseason scratches a lot of heads, my myself included. I, I believe I said this on – I don't know what show this was. This might have been one of the fantasy shows where we did that flip-flop week where I was quoted as saying something along the lines of – and I'm paraphrasing here – what the fuck are the Raiders doing? I think I, I, I think know. I might, I might've said that. Yeah, that was, that was, yep. That was one with me when we were previewing the AFC West. Yeah, that's right. That and was so, the one. So here I wish we go. I could have been here. To, I wish I would have been there to hear it because I would have, I would have said it with you in unison. What oh. the fuck are the Raiders doing? <laughs> Listen, there's only three people that know the answer to that. Mike Mayhawk, John Gruden and God himself. Because nobody else seems to have a clue. Yeah. But I think unless that's the God's pick a Chiefs with... fan, and then he's purposely. <laughs> unless God's a Chiefs fan, yes. <laughs> that maybe maybe God needs to start uh, trying to manipulate the uh, the Chargers a little bit, because the Raiders are already just they're already shooting themselves in the foot. So now start working on the Chargers. But uh, yeah, Tevin Jenkins, I think, is a really really good pick. I love him. Uh, I have him as my number three tackle in this class. So uh, yeah, I, I, I love the, uh, I love the pick Jake. I really, really do. Alrighty. So we are moving on to Adam who is at number 18 with the Miami dolphins. Once again. Oh, great. The Miami dolphins. Yippity Kaya. My, my favorite team. Totally. Anyway, uh, we talked before about, how deep this edge rusher class is. We talked before, as in in part one of this, how deep this edge rusher class is when we were talking about Jalen Phillips going to the Vikings. And I think the Miami Dolphins are going to go edge rusher again. Or it's going to be another edge rusher pick in the first round is what I mean. They're taking Quiddy Pay, the edge rusher for Michigan. Um, you know, we see a lot, 
Quidipay, uh, you look at a bunch of mock drafts, you see him going in different places. Um, the Definitely the middle of the first round is the kind of place for, for Quidipay. He has a lot of potential, high ceiling guy. The Dolphins need an edge rusher. And this is this is a good spot for him. My number two edge rusher in the class. I have no objections. I have no objections. I think this might be a team. I think this is really late for Michael Parsons, but I could see maybe I think somebody on defense is the pick. I think you're on the right track, Adam. Um, if it were to be an edge rusher, yes, this is the guy I would take. And I think Miami and pretty much any other team, if Jalen Phillips is off the board, would take. Uh, for me, Miami in this spot, it's either edge rusher, linebacker, or Najee Harris to reunite with Tua. I think those are all very, very good possibilities. I really, really think so. Uh, all right, number 19, the Washington football team. And this is where the slide for Micah Parsons ends. Uh, the football team, they really are building something really, really nice there. Uh, I can't believe – I think a lot of people are saying this, that we can't believe we're actually crediting Dan Schneider with something. But the hire of Ron Rivera has completely transformed the fortunes of this football team and what they're building in Washington is really a credit to Ron Rivera. The first year was completely blew away. I think everybody's expectations of what this football team potentially could have been winning the NFC East, getting to the playoffs and really, really putting on a a pretty inspiring display against the uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, the eventual Super Bowl champions. What I think the avenue that they go down here is by taking by far and away the best player uh, at this spot and really continuing to add to that young defense, which is just growing and becoming stronger and stronger by the minute. And I mean, I think one of the best signings of the off season was actually made by Washington when they signed William Jackson. And I think that he's just one of those underrated corners was in a terrible spot in Cincinnati, but now is going to be playing with a much stronger defensive unit in front of him where I think with that is going to make him a household name. And then you add Micah Parsons to that equation as well. After drafting Chase Young last year, I mean, you could tell me that you go in back-to-back drafts, Chase Young, Micah Parsons, that's a job well done for, uh, for Washington if that does happen. So I'm going to go with, uh, with Parsons here at, uh, at 19. Granted, I don't think he makes it this far, but for the sake of the exercise, Micah Parsons. Let me ask you something. Shoot. Would you kill the football team if they drafted my guy, Kellen Mond, right here in this spot? Mr. Jake Simone, we're on. We must be telepathically connected because I was about to ask the exact same question. I I love Mond. I think this is the – I wouldn't wouldn't blame him. Not maybe if Mike – a quarterback is obviously more valuable than uh, off the ball linebacker, but I don't know, I, man. I wouldn't be too upset about it. I wouldn't be, but I have heard that if there's one quarterback that is moving up draft draft boards fast, it's Davis Mills Not my at Stanford. I like him a lot, but he, enough, to me, enough to take him at 19, no way. No, he's no more of a backup for me. I don't think he's a starting quarterback. I just don't see it. I don't know I how do. people I, I can have him over Mons. 
No, he not over Mond. No shot. Not, not over Mond. No, 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 no. I like him. I like him though. I, but I did, not over to Mond. me, he. I don't know if he's a starter. I don't know if he's a starting quarterback. I, I would if it's Davis Mills. I, I would really let them hear it. But if it's Mond, I give them credit. I wouldn't have any complaints. I really wouldn't because right now, I mean, what's there? What's the backup plan behind Fitz in terms of a quarterback for the future? Heineke. Now, quarterback after, I mean, let Fitzpatrick go out there for a month and then insert Mond. If Mond is NFL ready, we uh, talked yeah. about this, but I think Mond is pretty close to, if not ready, to play right away. Like yeah. people, I think we're going to look back on this draft and go, wow, why wasn't anyone talking about Kellen Mond? I really think so. I, lo- I love the guy. Like, I-, I think he is getting really overlooked, and I'm excited to see where he ends up. I hope it's the right fit for him. He was a quarterback on a team that many people will argue should have been in the national uh, championship picture. They should have made the college football playoff. A lot of people will argue that. And really, he was able to show off and be very, very good with relatively nobody to to throw to. So, I mean, fair, fair play to him. And he's really, really talented. And I don't think, me personally, I wouldn't bat an eye. If Washington were to go that direction at 19 with Kellen Mond, I, I, there'd be people that would be very surprised for sure. But would I hate it? No, I wouldn't hate it. Love it? No. Hate it? No. I, I would be pretty close to loving it, but I am a Mond guy. So, um, yeah, I, I will say that there is not a bigger Mond guy out there that I know than you. That, yeah, well, there's Chris Sims, and I liked Mond before Chris Sims got into his evaluations, which really brought a tear to my eye to see somebody who I respect and quite honestly admire during this draft process love Kellen Mond. Well, we'll have to wait and see with, uh, with Washington and see what they do. All righty, Adam. So, oh, excuse me. No, this is Jake. No, no. I, I mean, is it me? This is yes, you. It is. Oh, this is you. Oh, most, most certainly it is me. It, this is you. This is my guy. <laughs> this, this is you. There's, there's nobody else that would have put this certain guy in this spot other than Mr. Jake. Uh, that, so. uh, listen, man, this guy is absolutely worthy of being oh, taken here. I don't want to hear that A hundred percent. And that is my guy from anyone that follows us on the basement talk podcast that I, touched on i think it was in last week's show we did the offensive uh evaluations and that's my favorite wide receiver in this draft and that is credarius tony out of florida like this guy is a human joystick will get open is a route running technician you can give him the ball in space he's making guys miss big playability with sneaky good speed that i don't think a lot of people realize and um yeah to me he reminds me a lot of jerry judy who came out of last year's draft but a faster version and a little bit more of a thicker build than Jerry Judy, to be quite honest with you. So, um, yeah, this is my guy here. Chicago Bears, uh, Allen Robinson, who knows what the future holds for him. Matt Nagy, Ryan Pace, they have to win or go home. You might as well give Andy Dalton another weapon if that's the direction you decide to go in with Andy Dalton. So, yeah, uh, to me, this is a a pretty slam dunk. I know they have issues at tackle. Um, I don't know if there's really that plug-and-play left tackle here. Maybe a Liam Eikenberg is what I can think of. But um, true left tackle, I don't see that here. So I go with my next best available wide receiver, and that is Cardarius Tony out of Florida. The only, I guess, if you want to put him a tackle, I wouldn't. 
but the only tackle here that you know really would make sense would be an Eichenberg. But I th- I think it's I think it's too high for him inside the top twenty. So yeah, with- no, I don't think so. A tackle being a premium position, but I think Tony is a lot more is a little bit more of a difference maker. I personally I, I think immediately. Um, and I think Andy Dolan has proven, hey, if you give him some receivers, you know, he can make some things happen last year. I think the Cowboys defense was pretty dreadful. I don't think all the blame should have been on Andy Dalton last year. You know, I, I thought he played well in spurts, and who knows? With that defense in Chicago, hey, who knows? That, that's all I'm saying. Could this now, be a landing spot for Kellen Mond? Sorry, Bird, to cut you No, off. no, no, you're good. Mond? Yeah, for Kellen Mond, could this I would be another hate, landing I would hate spot? it for Mond. Because it's it's just two guys just coaching to survive, and if they're out at the end of the year, it's a new regime coming in for Mond, and maybe it is if they view him as because I do think he's pretty NFL ready. I, I I wouldn't hate the pick for the Bears, but I would hate this fit for Mond if that makes sense as an outsider looking at somebody that likes Mond. Yeah. Well, now let me ask you this, Jake, with putting Tony here to the Bears, and of course the 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 shit show, I guess is for lack of a better phrase, that is the Bears quarterback room at this moment in time. Does it scare you at all, knowing that that Cardarius Tony is going to be catching passes from maybe for a year, first six games? It's going to be Andy Dalton. Then then another six games is going to be Nick Falls. Then just going right back to Andy Dalton. Yeah, it's it's for this year. Um. Again, it's not their long-term answers, so maybe this year it might frustrate me a little bit, but long-term, no. Well, I guess he was going to be ca- catching passes from Graham Har- from Sam Howell or whatever, or Spencer Rattler. I mean, I guess it's yeah, not, not, ba- not that big of a deal. The next regime, when Nagy and Pace are probably dismissed at the end of the year, will, um, I would hope the Bears go with an offensive mind needing a quarterback and getting it wrong with Trubisky, that they kind of – redo that and i don't think they drafted other unc quarterback that would be Ooh. all too <laughs> ironic there yeah. well it probably be rattler then well so, listen looking at next year's class to me is kind of irrelevant right now because guys slip and fall all the time i mean we didn't have you go back to the last four drafts we didn't have zach wilson on a draft radar around this time last year sure. we didn't have joe burrow on the radar the year before his coming out party we didn't have yeah. kyler we thought kyler was going to play baseball yeah. No one had him on the draft radar, and no one had Baker Mayfield on their draft radars. So sure. I just gave you four years of drafts where we, we didn't even know guys existed until about maybe, well, for the college football fan, I guess, maybe a month into the season. But for the casual fan, they didn't know they existed until Christmas time when their teams were uh, already eliminated from playoff contention. They start watching their YouTube highlights. So I wouldn't yeah. use that as a measuring stick just yet. So Tony will Fair be enough. fine. Great player. 21, Indianapolis Colts. Adam, you are on the clock, sir. I have the Indianapolis Colts uh, picking a wide receiver here. Rashad Bateman out of Minnesota, the University of Minnesota. And it's not as much of a position of need for the Colts, but they do need another guy at receiver um, just because it just – Last year really seemed like they didn't have to they didn't have a lot of depth when uh when Paris Campbell was lost for the season. I I like Rashad Bateman here. I mean, he's 
He's got good route run, route route running skills. I sound like Scooby Doo, but it's besides the point. But he he's just a good receiver. Uh, I don't need to try and stumble over my words anymore and just say that he's a good receiver. Jake, you want to take that? I know you you absolutely loathe Rashad Bateman, so I, you, I don't. You, you I can think, have that. One. I do think he has talent. Like I'm not coming out here and saying that, but for my money's worth, he's not a first round pick. Yeah, I kind of like. I I do like. I've been going back and I've been going back and forth on this. Uh, I did put Elijah Moore out of Ole Miss ahead of Rashad Bateman, and I'm very very close to putting Rondell Moore over Rashad Bateman. As, as I'm well. Therese Marshall, and I have my guy Dimey Brown over Rashad Bateman. Yeah, I think Dimey Brown is you. the gem that is uh, there to be had for a lucky team on the second round. I have a first-round grade on Dimey Brown. I'm really high on him as well as Therese Marshall Jr. But um, just to go back to the pick, if I know Chris Ballard, the way he's drafted over the years, the Colts really need an offensive tackle. They really do. To me, this is Liam Eikenberg territory right here. Plug-and-play guy, ready to play right away. Yeah, for sure. Um, and receiver, um, Michael Pittman in fantasy this year. I know you guys are the fantasy show. Yeah, that arrow is, is trending up. I think this is a big breakout. He's a big breakout candidate. So I think they're okay in that area. Maybe they definitely could use another body at him, maybe in like the second, third, with how deep this receiver class is. I see Ballard recognizing the value there it's um, more of a Grigson pick would be Bateman exactly yes but they really needed an offensive tackle that can go right now and I, to me that screams Liam Eikenberg out of Notre Dame here's one that I that I really wouldn't hate for the Colts if they were to take Eikenberg here but then in the second round they'd take an Anthony Schwartz I would Schwartz is not that. Schwartz is not a second round receiver for me and I love Schwartz I, I think he's more of a, a day three guy that needs a little bit of fine tuning to me. Just has tons of speed. Well, now, I'm just I'm just saying in, ter- in terms of in terms of value. I don't think it's a second round pick either. I I actually have a uh, late round three, early round four grade on Anthony Schwartz. But just something like that where you're taking a a receiver. Like I I believe it or not, I think you could get Bateman in the second round, and I wouldn't hate that for for the Colts. I I wouldn't hate that at all. That's fair. Yeah, but the consensus I, yeah. ranking on him is a lot higher than than ours. Oh, I think yeah. he's definitely teams, a first round pick. Teams love him. Teams love him. I love him. I, I really do. I think he's really, really good. And if you tell me he's going twenty one, I wouldn't mind it. But I, I agree with what Jake said. Is I just think Chris Ballard operates in a different way when he knows that there's a position group that's so deep. He's gonna just say, you know what, we're better off with the spot we're in getting a receiver in the second or the third round versus potentially reaching for one. And I use reaching in air quotes, reaching for one at 21 when they could fill a different need with someone like a Eichenberg at, at 21, but I don't mind Bateman here. Yeah. I don't mind it at all. How about this? How about this star for the calls before we move on? How about Eichenberg? And then the second round, you draft my guy, Diamond Brown. Don't mind that at all. Yeah, that's good. I mean, yeah, like you said, the receiving class is deep. So they, there are a lot of different directions. Yeah, there's a lot there are a lot of different avenues that you can go down if you're uh, if you are the Indianapolis Colts and you definitely I, I would say you definitely need to get yourself another weapon for for Mr. Carson Wentz there. All righty, twenty two, the Tennessee Titans are on the clock, and this is my time to shine. Um 
there are a couple different avenues that I could see the Titans going. I wouldn't be surprised if they were to go receiver here. I mentioned Elijah Moore uh, just a little while ago. I mentioned Rondale Moore as well. Receiver, they absolutely have a need here, but I think the biggest need for them is the corner. They've lost Malcolm Butler. They lost to Dory Jackson, both in free agency. They need to get themselves a corner here, and I'm going with the best corner on my board for this particular spot with the top three obviously gone at this point. The best remaining corner here is Greg Newsom out of Northwestern, who really, really actually reminds me a lot of someone like a Darius Slay. I think you bring him in, and I think he has the potential to be a really, really top-end starting corner within two or three years of coming into the league. I think he is just that talented. Uh, I really, really like him in press coverage is really where I thought he shined on film. Uh, his shutdown ability is just second to none, allowing a 31 in change completion percentage and a just 7.8 yards per catch in 2020, which is that's ridiculous. It's again, you're taking away pretty much the whole side of the field. If you are, uh, if you're Greg Newsom and, I mean, I think that this is just – it's a perfect, perfect example of getting value. You have need. You put those together. You have a great pick here. And I think Greg Newsom is uh, is the definition of that here. But I will say with Newsom, I do think he is a little raw with the limited experience that he has had. I believe he's played only 21 games in his collegiate career. So that could be a little bit of a turnoff for some people, but – from what I've seen, he's just, he's an athletic freak who can take away the side of a field. So uh, Greg Newsom for me is, uh, is, is the pick for, uh, for the Tennessee Titans. No complaints, yeah, no complaints there. Yeah. It's a, that need value checks both boxes. It makes the most sense. It's the logical way to go. But if they were to go receiver here, wouldn't be surprised because these are two the titans are actually in a very good spot i think for this draft because the two spots that they need receiver and corner that jump off the page both very very deep in this draft so they can go either direction and they can just rebound with whatever they don't take in round two and they're still getting themselves a starting caliber option in round two at receiver or corner so i think it's a a great Great spot for the Titans to be in. And what if the Titans go out and get your guy, Jake Dimey Brown? Oh, now we're talking. We're talking double Brown trouble right there. Yeah, AJ and Dimey Brown. Yikes! Ooh. No relation. Yikes! Or how about the the Corey Davis uh, reincarnated Dwayne Eskridge? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know how uh, how people would would uh, feel if uh, Dwayne Eskridge is just going in to replace Corey Davis, given the uh, the same alma mater. That would be that would be very interesting. Wasn't Corey Central Michigan? He was Central Michigan, yes, and Dwayne yeah. is, is Western is Michigan. Western. I was going to say, because I, I only knew that because, well, only the draft, but he broke all of Antonio Brown's records at, yes. at yep. Central Michigan. That's so correct. Crazy. Both small, yeah. really small school. I You know, yeah. the, the comparison's still there, though. Nope. I... Jake, I think we said this on the uh, on the Basement Talk podcast. We said this when we were talking about the offensive prospects. Like Dwayne Eskridge is basically a carbon copy of Corey Davis, which is a great thing. Listen, it, which a, is uh, which is a fantastic thing. I, you know what? 
I, I really just want to take this moment and say that the, the Corey Davis fan club is united in this Zoom call right now. We this is just Corey wonderful. Davis. This is a Corey and, Davis safe space. And I told you before, we'll say it again. I, who told you before the free agency period started? Jets, go sign Corey Davis. The value's there. Somebody's getting a really special player. Someone is going to look like a freaking genius. And it's Joe Douglas. You know, I was going to say, as a as a person whose cousin is an alum of Buffalo, I can, I can see the value in the Mac. So I appreciate the pick. We love the Mac. Return of the Mac. Oh, wow, Adam. Wow, Adam. You, you really are just going to put that song in my head right now? Yes, it's a great song. It is a fantastic song. It's a fu- it's a fucking bop. Yep. Get I think, ready for some action. Now you know what I'm gonna do for this for this specific part right here. I'm just putting Return of the Mac. Uh, th- there's going to be a blurb of Return of the Mac right here. Th- th- that's happening. It's going way above and beyond really what I have to do for this show. But this is like if there's there, there's no other time for me to just play Return of the Mac. Like th- the best this is random just- bed in podcast history. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be so awesome. You're just like five seconds. Return of the Mac. That, that, like, that's it. That's all I need. Yep. That is all. Adam, thank you so much. That is great podcasting on your part. Great job. You're welcome. That's why they pay us the big bucks. That is why they pay us the big bucks. Yes. And when I say big bucks, I mean the big bird bucks. That's right. All right, Jake, you're up. 23, the New York Jets. Jake. Well, um, if you're telling me this is how it's shaking out, if you're the Jets, you are pulling a hamstring running up to the draft podium with this pick because I would be counting my blessings, counting, just thanking everything. Hopefully Corey Davis isn't that, running up to the draft that, po- to the draft podium. Oh, Adam, shut the fuck up. <laughs> yeah. So no bad vibes is, around Corey Davis. Shut this, the fuck up. This is just a, a, an out of the park, just grand slam for the Jets. And that's Elijah Vera Tucker out of USC, who is my top-rated guard. I think he has the ability to play tackle, but is going to be one of the premier guards in this league. Uh, I've said it uh, multiple times on the Jetsway podcast and as well as here. Jets lose out on Joe Tooney, who offers – what does Joe Tooney offer? He offers the position versatility to play anywhere on the offensive line. That's who a lot of Jet fans wanted and the Jets wanted, but he just, just decided to go play for the Kansas City Chiefs. Can't blame him, but – we get pretty much the same exact player where he does everything well. He is powerful. Um, he is agile. He can offer versatility. And just right away, the Jets' interior of the offensive line was just absolutely brutal last year. You got dudes like Greg Van Roten, uh, Alex Lewis just getting absolutely manhandled every play, getting the quarterback killed. We need to protect Zach Wilson here. We could address weapons. In the later rounds, we have tons of picks on day, on day two and three. Yeah, Farrah Tucker right away at right guard. George Fant's a free agent at the end of the year, or you can get out of the contract. No problem. Maybe kick him over to right tackle next year. If not, let him keep dominating on the uh, the offensive line in the interior. So, I love this pick. I love this pick a lot. A brief nugget, though, on the Jets. A little bit of sorcery here. Sorcery with the U? Yes, you could, you could say that, Adam. You could. <laughs> Apparently, they're very high on Tevin Jenkins. That's supposedly the guy, and don't be surprised if they trade up a few slots to draft him. Um, they because have the capital to do it. Apparently, the Titans are very high on him, too. They see him as a way to kind of 
make up for past sins with the Isaiah Wilson pick last year. Yeah. Um, we know how that went for them. So maybe that could be their, their way to make that up. Um, the Raiders, like we talked about before are very high on him. So we, he might not be there for the jets. Maybe Douglas parts with a pick just to get his guy to play at guard. And then next year play him at, at, on the other side of Mackay Becton and, my goodness gracious, the Jets will be absolutely mauling people in the run game pass game. We are going to be ragdolling a lot of teams because that is a ferocious bookend tackle duo right there. So I wouldn't hate that either. But right here, Tucker, I think in general, Tucker, um, Vera Tucker, I, I would rather see them draft Vera Tucker than Tevin Jenkins. Love both. So I wouldn't hate it either way. I just think Tucker offers a little bit more versatility and is a little bit less raw and more pro-ready. So – yeah, either or, I'm jumping for joy. But can he play? Can he play center? He probably could. I don't know if he has a ton of experience at center, but I think he probably could. I, I don't think, you know, I like Creed Humphrey a lot, and I like Landon Dickerson for the Jets, but um, I just think Tucker uh, Vera Tucker at guard is just more of what we need with Connor McGovern still on the roster. No, well, I'm not saying that they should pick a center. I'm just saying, can like the you know the versatility just yeah he absolutely to, to answer yeah. your question, Adam. If if he was tasked to play center, he could do it and do it. Obviously, he's a better guard than center, but yeah. he doesn't have the. I don't think he has any experience as center, but he could absolutely do it. No problem. He played left tackle this year for the Trojans. Like this is this is a really versatile prospect right here, and that's something Joe Douglas values a lot with his offensive line prospects. But and yeah, he, he can know. play center if we need if we're in a pinch. Yeah. So, Adam, you are up, sir. Number 24, the Pittsburgh Steelers. What a fun day. They are drafting blank. They're drafting Travis Etienne running back out of Clemson. Whoa. This is a fun pick that can go in very many different directions. Pittsburgh has has a lot of needs. Um, I people have Najee Harris going above Travis Etienne. I don't blame them. I think they're very they're very close together as far as the top two running backs in this in this year's class. But Pittsburgh definitely does need a running back um, in this draft because letting James Conner go to Arizona like they did, um, they need they need a feature back. I mean, sure you can have Benny Snell or uh, or whoever as your as your number one guy but i think that having somebody like travis Etienne does add another facet to the offense that makes it better i think the steelers just love anthony mcfarland and i think they want to potentially give him a run to prove that he's the uh that he is the guy um yeah i i personally have Etienne as my number one running back in this class so i don't hate the pick by by any means but my Christ, you put Etienne, Snell, McFarland. I mean, ugh, God. And this, I guess this is like the fantasy guy coming out in me now. Just like, ugh, Christ. Yeah, it's kind of a mess of a committee. But I mean, I, yeah. yeah. What are you going to say? I heard that they're pretty high on Najee Harris. That is interesting. Yeah. That is, inter- that is very, very interesting. I heard – well, he fits the offense a little bit more, I guess, because he's not as much – they run a lot between, you know, up the gut, 
um, less outside runs, if that makes sense. Because Anaji Harris, that's not really what he is. He's more of a power back, you know, put his head down yards after contact. He's not that soaring fast running back that's just going to take the ball off the end and just go upfield. And that's just not their blocking scheme. It's, that That's what I could see. But listen, Pittsburgh has holes for the first time in a long time. They have serious needs at corner. Mm-hmm. I think they would like to add another pass rusher if they could to replace Bud Dupree. Um, and I think also on that offensive line, really need a tackle with Alejandro Villanueva. Hope, you know, salute our troops and everything, but he's no longer in the fold there in Pittsburgh. So they need a tackle and a couple of needs on defense too. that dominant defense. I would be pretty surprised to see running back here for the Steelers. I would bet good money that they go corner or edge, but main, mainly I think the pro comparison for Bud Dupree, Aziz Ojolari makes a lot of sense here if you're the Steelers. Yep, he's there. I mean, uh, that would be an interesting pick. But, you know, sometimes you got to have an oddball pick. To I not think they're hoping a corner pass. falls. I do too. I do too. I think if, if there's some way somehow that Newsom falls to the spot, I think uh, what did Jake say before, that uh, the Jets would pull a hamstring to go draft Elijah Vera Tucker. I think the Steelers would pull both their hamstrings and their groin if uh, Greg Newsom was there at 24. But I think they'd yeah, be really happy. I don't hate the pick, but I think for fantasy purposes, I would I would absolutely loathe it. But ETN for me is, is my number one uh, running back, and I think if the Steelers were to go and take Najee Harris at 24, the wheels would be definitely churning a little bit at 25 with the Jacksonville Jaguars if Travis Etienne were to be available. Make it I disagree. Clems- well, they have Robinson, they have Hyde. Maybe you, you, you give your new quarterback a bone and you make it uh, the Jacksonville Tigers or uh, – if, if you were or, picking uh, first – The Clemson the draft, You're picking first for a reason. Yeah, and the Clemson Jaguars. running back at 25 is – Maybe at 33. I think 33 if he's there, it's a real possibility. But that team has so many. Their offense is actually like kind of decent. Yeah. That makes sense. Oh, it's, with it's very Lawrence, decent. They just need, where, they just need a quarterback and they're getting that. Yeah, and a pass catching tight end would be nice for the young quarterback. Yeah. I don't think we're running back. Did you see what James Robinson did last year? Well, they they we don't know if James Robinson's gonna be the guy. I think oh, so. God, you're preaching to the choir. Bird and I have been talking about this on the fantasy show forever. Whether if we Forever think that James Robinson is going to be is still is going to still be the guy in absolutely, absolutely well, he is. I don't know. I don't know. I think so. I I absolutely think so. Look what we've seen: undrafted rookie running backs get thrown to the curb before. With I guess for Austin, Austin Eckler was the seventh round pick. So Listen, Phil Lindsay. Phil oh. Lindsay's the one. Yeah, but his biggest thing was injuries. Was Demarco Murray drafted? Like. Is that why you feel this way? No, Demarco Murray was a third round pick. Yeah. Okay. No, Philip Lindsay also was just injuries. That That's true. That's true. Really derailed his kind of hype. Um, and James, and with all due respect to Philip Lindsay, he didn't have the year James Robinson had. That's also true. No, you got your guy, Jaguars. You hit the. Well, Philip Lindsay was also fucked over by. He was fucked over by Melvin Gordon, as far as touches are concerned, and then for for his rookie season, it was Royce Freeman. They they never should have signed Melvin Gordon. That was the that was the nail in the coffin for for Philip Lindsay, and we all should have known it. But for the Jaguars at twenty five, I am up. I am not taking Travis Etienne. I am not taking Najee Obviously. Harris. 
that thank you adam thank you thank you thank you so much i really, really do appreciate that uh i'm going for uh trayvon mori the safety out of tcu uh, i actually think this is one of the possible spots in this draft where we could see jacksonville just taking their best available player that fits a need and i think the number one thing for jacksonville they really need is they need a playmaker in their secondary and the one thing with this safety class that immediately strikes me when watching all these guys on film there are so many ball hawk safeties in this draft and for me there is one there's no better than Trayvon Morig I know that uh, Jake had Javon Holland as his number one safety in the class I love Javon Holland and I think he could definitely be Talked about as a first-round pick, I wouldn't be shocked because I do like him a whole lot. But for me, Morig, he just has that football IQ that just jumps off of the page right away. And if you look at TCU and the program that Gary Patterson runs down there, he just brings up smart, good, consistent football players. And that's exactly what Jacksonville needs. And I think someone like Urban Meyer is going to know that the reputation that TCU has, I think urban Meyer is going to tap into that. And I think he's going to be bringing in Trayvon Morick as someone that he could start building his secondary around. And I think this is, if, if Morick is there at 25, I think it's a home run home run pick for, for Jacksonville. That's a good pick. I like it. Yeah. Again, with, with protecting your franchise guy, I think they might look to, protect trevor lawrence um good here i think maybe i again i'm gonna say it again with eichenberg and then there's also samuel cosme from uh, texas that they can go with so either that what about i wanted to hear what you had to say what about if urban goes to his big 10 roots and drafts the penn state tight end pat fryermuth that would be very interesting that would be very interesting at 25 i think people people would scratch their heads (laughs) People would scratch their heads and just be like, "What? What?" Yeah. But I, I, I think if if you're Urban, you could probably get Fryermuth or one of the other tight ends in 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 the second round. I think this is just a prime opportunity. Thirty three, yeah, yeah. This is a prime opportunity to get a really, really good defensive playmaker, and that's something that that Jacksonville needs. I, I wouldn't be shocked if we also potentially had the idea of Landon Dickerson floated in the spot. Wouldn't surprise me one bit if that is the direction that Jacksonville could go, but I just think defensively they could do with something in their secondary. So Trayvon Morick is the is the pick for me. All righty. So number 26, we go back to Jake with the Cleveland Browns. So Jake, you are on the clock, sir, and you have them taking blank. This is a tough team to mock for because they really have a lot of everything. Like they do they do they have two of everything. So to me, I think they sure up the interior of their defensive line. They just cut Sheldon Richardson too. So they have, I guess, a little bit of a hole. So I'm going Christian Barmore, the defensive tackle from Alabama, who has gotten a lot of mixed reviews in the scouting community. So this to me could be a best player available. I think this is the range where I would feel very comfortable taking Barmore. Um, you know, given his red flags and uh whatnot. So, yeah, Cleveland buffers the interior of the defensive line, goes Barmore. I think this is a really good pick um, if you're a Browns fan. 
God damn, that defensive line is gonna look, could look really scary. It's gonna look good. And I mean, how many how many times have we been able to say that Cleveland is in the position to draft the best player available? I don't how think Clowney's gonna really be in, that much of a difference maker in for the mid twenties. Also, uh, Cleveland drafting in the mid twenties without trading, yeah, rarely happens. Yeah, yeah, I mean, good good for them. Good for them. They've they've built a uh, really really good program there, and I think best player available seems like the most sense. And then you plug in the fact that Barmore is there after releasing Sheldon Richardson. And you add Barmore to that defensive line with Miles Garrett and the question mark that is Shadevion Clowney, but low risk, high reward sort of deal with, with, with Clowney. I mean, that's you have all the makings of something with the with that kind of pick. So I, I, I like it a lot, Jake. I, I really, really do. All righty, Adam. 27, the Baltimore Ravens. Who do you got? So the Baltimore Ravens, everybody derided the Ravens for not signing a big-time receiver in free agency, but little did they know that they're going to be getting their big-time receiver in the draft. And that is Elijah Moore out of Ole Miss. He's the kind of guy that can go either as an outside receiver or a slot receiver. He can make an impact on special teams. He, he has agility and quickness. I mean, this is the kind of guy, listen, everybody remembers him for the dumb shit that he pulled in the egg bowl, which was funny, arguably, but suddenly not funny, but he, he's a good player. People have to look past that. He, he's a good player. And I think he would bring a lot to the Baltimore Ravens. He's one of my fastest risers in, in this draft class by a million miles because I think the more I've been watching a little bit more of the receivers, I've been watching a lot more of Kadarius Tony, a lot more of Rondell Moore, a lot more of Elijah Moore, a lot more of Rashad Bateman. And Elijah Moore is quickly, quickly rising for me. I think the more that I've watched him, the more I've really, really started to open up to really, really liking him. And I liked him a lot before. I personally think receiver would make sense. I think Morig is the guy the Ravens would love to add. Um, that makes a lot of sense. My guy Javon Highland would also be great for them. But um, to me, you know who would be a great fit in this offense? I think Elijah Moore definitely is. No knock there. How about Ron Delmore with Lamar Jackson? Now, you're talking about some freaking track speed on yeah. that offense. Like, that is scary. You could put – I mean, imagine him. You come up plays where he's in the backfield at the same time as Lamar Jackson – or on sweeps, you know, Jackson rolls out, hits another guy. Like, you have to worry about Jackson running. And then, oh, he throws the ball to a guy that's faster than Lamar Jackson, believe it or not, and Rondell Moore. I think maybe that's maybe that guy that's just a little twitchy over the middle. You kind of have Hollywood Brown running vertical. Um, who's the other guy that they that they got? And also, they lost Willie Sneed, who played a lot in the slot for them. So, yep. it makes sense there. I, I think Rondell Moore in that offense would excite me a lot. Potential fantasy dart throw as well. I have to I say that so. this is a fantasy um, type of platform. So, yeah, yeah, it's close uh, enough. I like. How about fantasy Rondell adjacent. right there? I don't mind Rondell there at all. I do. I do not mind Rondell there at all. But Elijah, I think again, it's a perfect recipe of value here and need. You're picking at the end of the first round. You know, I don't think uh, you know if you reach a little bit, it won't kill you. Uh, I think Elijah Moore is a really, really good fit 
for for Baltimore. But yes, I do I do agree that Rondale here would be sheesh. And and they have a needed edge rusher too. Obviously losing yeah. Judon and Ngakwe. And knowing Ozzie Newsom, I don't know if you take a receiver here, but surround the young quarterback um, would probably be the way I would go. Well, I think uh, my guy who I have at 28 going to the New Orleans Saints would probably be a good fit for Baltimore. It's Aziz Ojolari. I think it could be a really, really good fit. I actually talked to uh, to someone about Ojolari who's very connected to, uh, to Georgia football. And the one thing that he said to me, about Ojolari, this is before we came on the podcast. I was able to uh, to talk to him about it, and he had said to me that the thing with Ojolari is he's very raw and he's very inconsistent, which I did not see a lot of. So I was very intrigued by this because I, I I have Ojolari as my number three edge rushing prospect in this class. He had said to me that there are times where it looks like he's wearing Velcro on his Jersey just because if he gets stuck in blocks and I was just like, huh, that's interesting. Cause that's not a take that I heard all too often, but I think you put Ojolari in new Orleans coached up by Dennis Allen. You have Cameron Jordan on the defensive line. That is just a perfect, perfect spot for someone like him, where if he is raw, you're putting him in an unbelievable position where he can really live up to his potential. And it helps that his partner would be one of the best, the absolute best defensive lineman in the national football league with Cam Jordan. So uh, Ojolari is the pick for me, but I thought it was a very interesting nugget that I heard about Ojolari today. Yeah. The one thing I saw with him, I did see the inconsistencies, um, I don't know if I mentioned it at all in the basement. I know we had a lot to unpack there, but the thing with him is he needs to bulk up a little bit. I don't think he would really lose that much of his quickness because he's a really twitchy player. And we talked about hands. He's got some heavy hands, man. Like his hand placement is definitely there. And if I think if he adds more to his arsenal of moves to get to the quarterback along with bulking up a little bit, so he doesn't really get pushed around by these NFL caliber um, offensive tackles, I think uh, for sure he can meet uh, his his potential and um, justify being a first-round pick. So I definitely he, like the pick here for the Saints. He's listed at 6'2", 249. I think if you – I don't buy it. I don't buy it either. I don't buy it either. You put 10, 15 pounds on him, he'll be really good. He'll be really, really good. But I don't buy the 6'2", 249 uh, at all. That number just is a little – a little eh for me. I don't really buy it. All right, 29, the Green Bay Packers. Jake, does Aaron Rodgers get a first-round receiver finally? No, he does not because the value of this guy falling to 29, wow. Like, And the Packers are a very big BPA, best player available kind of franchise, and that is Notre Dame's Jeremiah Owusu-Koromoa. Like, this guy is going to help out that defense a lot like hands down um the defense believe it or not last year was pretty brutal for the Packers um I don't know if I'm being too harsh there I mean they like no, Mike Pettin so um they need a little bit of infusion of youth and a little bit more speed on that defense and they're getting that with with Owusu Karamoa who 
I don't know how the hell he threw. He fell all the way to number 29 overall in this mock draft. But um, if he wasn't there, yes, I think I give Aaron Rodgers a first-round receiver or I give him a little bit more protection for the inevitable injury of Brian Balaga or um, David Bacchiardi. And I go with Land, uh, Land Dickerson. Um, Liam Eikenberg, who I can maybe insert at guard. I know they just lost Corey Lindsley too, so this could maybe be Landon Dickerson, Creed Humphrey territory to fill in at center um, for the Packers. So, yeah, that's – for now, the value is just off the charts. Luso Caramo is my guy. Center is a great shout. Center is a great shout. I don't know if Aaron Rodgers is going to love that, but the loss of Corey Lindsley, they need, they need a natural replacement there. And if they were to take one of the centers – I don't think that'd be too much of an issue when there's a clear and obvious hole. But yeah, you're right. Awusu Karamo falling this far in this mock. I mean, that's just that that really is best player available being utilized to just perfection if you are uh if you are the Packers in the spot. Alrighty, Adam. Number thirty, the Buffalo Bills. You've managed in this mock to get both of the Dolphins picks, the Patriots, and the Bills, and not one of the Jets picks. So congratulations. But Adam, I think you would have picked the same guys if you were me. Probably. I mean, I really do. Obviously, Zach Wilson. I, I'd be stupid to not pick Zach Wilson. At so who would you take over Vera Tucker? I think to no, me that's I'm a pretty saying, obvious one. No, I'm saying. I'm just, I'm, give me a second. I'm saying that I you'd be stupid not to take Zach Wilson, and I really do like the pick of Elijah Vera Tucker. That's what I'm saying. I who would I take? I have no idea. I probably I'd take him. If he's there, I'd take him. I'm glad, Adam. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Anyway, so uh my pick for the Buffalo Bills. I don't hate the Buffalo Bills as much as I hate the Patriots and the Dolphins. It's just a, you know. Good answer, because the Bills have Josh Allen, and Josh Allen is the greatest. Our neighbors to the north in Buffalo. The only New York football team. I have them taking an an edge rusher, Jason Owe from Penn State. Uh, He kind of a project defensive end, but the defensive end class is pretty pretty deep, and I think that Jason Owe is a guy that can really help out the uh, Bills pass rush. The Bills don't have too many needs since they made it to the AFC Championship game last year. Um, at this point, I think that this just fills one... It just fills one of their holes that they have. One of one of few holes that they have. Um, I mean, they could definitely shock the world and take a running back here. I w- whew, That would be crazy, but I think that they go with Jason Owe out of Penn State. Fantastic spot because he, he he is the typical definition of a guy that needs to be coached up. You bring him to Buffalo and you put him with Sean McDermott. Whew. Holy I, fuck. I think they'd like to add a corner, but at the same time, they do need to improve their pass rush because they kind of need that recipe to be Patrick Mahomes. I think they saw what their match looks like with the Kansas City Chiefs, and they just don't have the defensive personnel to slow down Patrick Mahomes and that ferocious offense of Kansas City. So I think another a corner makes sense here. Um, I think a guy like Asante Samuel Jr. fits that Buffalo defense pretty good. But I, I personally have Owe a tad ahead of 
Asante Samuel Jr. on the big board, and they also mm-hmm. have a need there, so no complaints there for me. The only knock with Asante Samuel Jr. is his size. That's it. And to me, it's he's very press-centric, if that makes sense. Like, no, makes a ton of sense. Just yeah, like the ball father. skills definitely need a little bit of fine-tuning, um, which will come with experience and coaching. But the yeah. natural man-to-man instincts, just getting your hands on the receiver and just straight-up covering a guy, you're, the coverage skills are there. No doubt. Hey, the rest will come. And you know what? If there is a place where I think if you're a defensive player and you go and you want to get you know really coached up, Buffalo would be top near top of the list in terms of places where you would where you would and, want to go. And the top of that list would be with Robert Sala. <laughs> I'll, I'll let you. I'll let you. I'll let you think. I'll let, I'll let you have your moment, buddy. <laughs> hey, listen, you can coach defense. He can. Don't ever deny right. that. I agree with Jake. He can. He can. He definitely can. I don't. I. I don't. I don't like this two on one Jets fan assault. I don't. I don't. I don't like this. Oh really? What happened to your? Oh, I really. I really resonate with Jets fans. I love Jets fans. But now, now you can't take the heat. No, 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 no. I never. I, I'm not saying it's a bad thing. I'm just saying that I just don't. I. It's easier to deal with one than it is to deal with two. Fair enough. So for the Kansas City Chiefs at 31, uh, again, this is this is like best player available for me. Sammy Watkins, no longer with this football team. Rondell Moore. You put Rondell Moore and Tyree Kill in the same football field? Jesus Christ. Just Patrick Mahomes will be throwing 45-yard passes every, every play. <laughs> I mean, it's just that simple. They need a tackle, man. They they do. The problem Eichenberg's is ready. If I could, if right Eichenberg away. is here, if Eichenberg is still here, I could see it. He is still here in this exercise. So. In this exercise, he is. But just the fit, the natural fit of another receiver. No, but another receiver. They had all these receivers in the Super Bowl. Patrick Mahomes had no time. He was throwing almost on one leg. That's fair. Uh, That's fair. It, it sounds like, fun, though. Yeah, no, I like the. I oh, like it the sounds amazing. That's it. why I went for it. Because you can you him. Can get you can get a tackle. You can get a tackle later in this draft. You can't oh, get a, you can't. But you can't get a receiver. You absolutely in can. But in, ter- in terms of a speedster that absolutely fits they this offense speed. like they have, a glove. Uh, they said they have Michael Hardman. You get Tyree Kill and Rondell Moore on the same football field. Who's stopping that? Who is uh, stopping that? The, ta- the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, because Jack Barrett's going to be the backfield already. Well, you can get a tackle in the second round. That's not a problem. Not where they're picking, really. Like at the end of the second round. I don't know, yeah, man. Absolutely. No, I don't. No, not one that's ready to play right away. No, well, I don't man, think I have so. a choice. Yeah, I think they go Eichenberg here if he's there. I think if he's there, fits. I think that fits. Or Samuel Cosme out of Texas. Or about Brady Christensen? Even him I, would make more sense. I'm I I'm not. I like Cosme. I I like Christensen a lot. I like Christensen a lot. I just don't know if he would be in the first round. I think the the, the guy that makes the most sense is is Eichenberg. If they're not going to take Rondell Moore, but, but if this they is went just, receiver, yes, I agree with you. Yes, absolutely, that's a great fit. But you need a tackle. Like you lost the Super Bowl last year, not because not of a lack of weapons for Patrick Mahomes. Protect him. You, you you sound so sad when you like, say that. Like protect him. 
please. Brittany alone. Oh, God, help us. <laughs> but, yeah. wow, I, I caught myself there. Um, yeah, so, I don't know. If they go receiver, yes, I agree with you, Bird. But I would, hey, uh, I would advise them to get a tackle. Who the hell is stopping that? And I think they trade up for a tackle, too, if they need to. I, I really do. I think yep. they want to protect Patrick Mahomes and that half a billion dollar investment. You beat me to it. I was about to say, this is a prime opportunity for the Chiefs to trade up. Yes, I agree. Just to potentially get a tackle or something of that nature. I think it's a really, really good shout. All righty. The last pick of the mock draft goes to Jake. 32, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Go for it. I'm going Landon Dickerson. Um I like Creed Humphrey a little bit more, but he's the Southpaw center. I could see Brady having an issue with that. So um, in terms of athletic um, ability. I hate Tom Brady. He doesn't like left-handed people. <laughs> well, anyway, yeah, Dickerson's NFL ready, and he really fits the mold of uh, center. He kind of – like Ryan Jensen's gone, right? He retired. So God. they have a need at center. He's ready to play right away. They might have to wait for him um, for a few weeks into the season. He's probably going to start the year on the pup, recovering from the torn ACL. But he should be ready for the stretch run and give immediate bolt to that offensive line. Um, and to me, he's uh, the best, pretty close to the best player available um, on my big board. Him and Creed Humphrey are right there. So um, I, I give the slight edge to, Dick, to Dickerson over fit, but I do like Humphrey a little bit more uh, as a pro prospect because the measurables are certainly there with him. And Dickerson offers a little bit more versatility, even if they don't want to mm-hmm. play him at center. They can play him at guard. Was just about to say that. I think Dickerson just offers a little bit more versatility where if you want to put him at guard, you can. You want to put him at center, you can. So I think, you know, that the fit definitely makes sense because, you know, when in doubt, just go and try and keep Tom Brady upright. Well, the yeah. crazy thing is, is that the Buc- I mean, if the Bucks needed a tackle, then it would be the old Eichenberg uh, discussion. But they, it doesn't seem like they do need a tackle. How many times in this podcast can we, can we just say Eichenberg's name? <laughs> It's, Christian Eichenberg. I really like I really like him. So I mean, if you're Jacksonville picking at 33, Liam Eichenberg, wow. Uh, Liam Eichenberg at 33. I think uh, that we've gone from hamstring to two hamstrings and a groin. I think he's so gonna it, tear his ACL. They're gonna tear their ACLs going up to the podium. The, the at the very least. Yeah. The very least, if if Eichenberg is there at 33. Absolutely. To protect Trevor Lawrence, holy smokes. Holy, holy smokes. Well, that is it for the Basement Talk podcast mock draft. A big, big thank you, of course, to Jake and to Adam for coming on and doing the two-part mock draft. Just a little scheduling update for the rest of the week. Jake and I will be back with a Basement Talk podcast tomorrow night, Wednesday, We'll be doing bold predictions and a little wrap-up as we etch closer towards Thursday's draft. Adam and I will be back on Thursday doing a little bit of a fantasy review, fantasy preview. What do we want to see? What don't we want to see when we on Thursday before the draft? And then Friday, Adam and I will be back as well, reviewing the first round, talking about you know everything that's happened, all the disgraces all of the absolute home run picks and then giving bold predictions for the rest of the draft so it'll be a loaded week of content on the basement talk podcast family of podcasts remember to subscribe 
to the Basement Talk Podcast wherever you get your podcasts and leave a five-star review. We would greatly appreciate that. So for Jake, for Adam, I am Bird. Thank you so much for listening to the Basement Talk Podcast, and we'll catch you on the next one. Bye-bye.